0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. We have so much to get to, a record-breaking opening from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and so many other box office stories. Before we get to that, I want to thank, as always, my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. This is turning into a particularly difficult cold and flu season, and Carbon Health has appointments available each and every day for you to schedule or walk in, because they understand that you can't always schedule your health care. You can download the Carbon Health app right now to see if there's a location near you And even if there isn't, you can use the app for telehealth in case you can't get to an actual doctor's office. If you live in California, you can make Carbon Health your primary care provider. But if you're anywhere near an office or you're able to do a telehealth appointment, Carbon Health is there for you. I want to thank Carbon Health, as always, for being such a great partner here on the show. And let's look at the box office for this weekend. As we knew would be the case, Black Panther Wakanda Forever was the number one movie at the box office with a final total of $181,339,761. We will dive deep into that number in just a moment. Coming in a close number two, only about $170 million behind, is Black Adam. In its fourth week, it saw a 55.9% drop for an $8 million domestic total, and I'll be keeping my eye on that movie's performance over the Thanksgiving holiday and the next few weeks to see where it settles out, both domestically and worldwide. That'll tell us a lot about the big picture on Black Adam. Ticket to Paradise remains at number three, continuing to hold well week over week. In its fourth week of release, it dropped just 31% for a $5.9 million total. Lyle Lyle Crocodile is also holding pretty well week to week. It re-enters the top five at number four dropping just 5% from last week. It's now been in theaters for six weeks and made $3.2 million. Still not dropping out of the top five, even though Halloween is coming. and gone, is Smile in its seventh week, a 41.4% drop and a $2.3 million total to wrap out the top five. So let's dive into these Black Panther, Wakanda Forever numbers and see just what they mean in context of the month of November, in context of the MCU and other things. First of all, this is just kind of a brief summary of the opening, as we mentioned last week, tracking for the movie was reported at 175 to 200 million, so a little bit toward the lower end of tracking, but within the range that people were estimating. I talked last week about a couple of different models you could look at and see: well, is it going to act like this movie or act like that movie? And it actually ended up performing comparable to what I call the Force Awakens Last Jedi model. The Last Jedi dropped off 11 percent from the Force Awakens, and we saw a very similar performance with Wakanda Forever. The original Black Panther film opened to 2. million in its first three days. Wakanda Forever, just over $181 million. My prediction was that it would open to $190 million, so I'm pretty satisfied with that prediction there. To be within $10 million, I'll take it. It was off 10.2% from the original Black Panther's opening, so again, very comparable to that Force Awakens Last Jedi model. Wakanda Forever was the second best opening of 2022 behind Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the best November opening of all time, the eighth best MC opening and the number 13 domestic opening of all time and as i just mentioned it was the highest opening weekend for the month of november number one there black panther wakanda forever at 181.3 million dollars that bumps the hunger games catching fire down to number two at just over 158 million dollars and then we have a trio of twilight films that all came in right around 142 to 138 million dollars making up the rest of that top five The Twilight Saga New Moon, The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part Two, and The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part One. When we look at the opening weekends for 2022, Wakanda Forever fell about $6 million short of the opening of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which still has the biggest opening of the year domestically. Wakanda Forever is number two. Jurassic World Dominion's at number three with $145 million. Thor Love and Thunder at number four with $144.1 million. And The Batman at number five with $134 million. So all three major Marvel Studios releases that came out in theaters this year numbers one, two, and four on the biggest opening weekends of 2022. One thing that we often look at with these movies is the demographics, who showed up to watch each film, and this was a really interesting comparison between this film and other movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think it just goes to show why it's important to have a diversity of different franchises, a diversity of different filmmakers, because you bring in different audiences. For example, these were the demographics for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever versus Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And again, these are gathered in sample markets. There aren't people at every theater nationwide asking people, uh, you know, what race they are, what age they are, etc. Wakanda Forever is there on the left in purple. The Multiverse of Madness is on the right in red. And you see that the audience for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was 62 percent male and 38 percent female. But a much closer even split for the audience of Wakanda Forever: 52 percent male, 48 percent female. So a larger female crowd for Wakanda Forever. The under 20 25 crowd was about the same. 40% of the audience for Multiverse of Madness was under 25 versus 37% for Wakanda Forever. But it was a much more diverse audience in general. 34% white for Multiverse of Madness versus just 20% white for Wakanda Forever. Hispanic and Latino numbers were about the same. 21% for Wakanda Forever. 18% for Multiverse of Madness. But you see that the black audience really drove a lot of traffic to Wakanda Forever. 44% of the total opening weekend audience was black for Black Panther Wakanda Forever versus just 18% for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but there are also some pretty stark differences, no pun intended, between the audience for Black Panther Wakanda Forever and the big Marvel movie that closed out last year, Spider-Man No Way Home, especially in the age demographics. Let's take a look at those. The male-female split for No Way Home was about the same as Multiverse of Madness, 63% male versus 37% female, but look at the under 25 number. 60% of the audience for Spider-Man No Way Home was under 25 versus just 37% for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which means that this is a movie that drew a much older crowd in its opening weekend. And this is yet another example of how different franchises can draw different audiences. Obviously, a lot more young people wanting to run out and see Spider-Man No Way Home. Wakanda Forever, a much more low-key marketing campaign. Again, no pun intended, but much more centered on the emotion of this franchise. And the fallout from Chadwick Boseman, the actor, and T'Challa, the character's death, it wasn't quite as flashy, wasn't quite as big as what you saw for No Way Home. And I think that may have been what drew in more of the older audience versus the younger audience that just rushed to the theater for No Way Home because there were also promises of big surprises. It was a much different movie and it was sold a lot differently. When you look at the other demographics, again, a much more diverse audience for Wakanda Forever. No Way Home drew a 32% white audience versus 20% for Wakanda. Wakanda Forever. 30% Hispanic-Latino for No Way Home, so that actually outperformed Wakanda Forever, which drew just 21% in the Hispanic-Latino demographic. But again, a huge difference in the Black audience. 17% for No Way Home, 44% for Wakanda Forever. And then Asian film goers and other races, 21% for No Way Home versus 15% for Wakanda Forever. So when you look at the overall audience for Wakanda Forever, it was a little different than what you see for most Marvel films. It was older. It was much more evenly split between male and female. It was driven by black moviegoers as opposed to often white moviegoers. And it just shows you how different films can appeal to different audiences. So these are always numbers that I find interesting because I think it's just curious to see how marketing works and who shows up and who doesn't show up. But in general, a lot of people did show up. And we would look at franchises and brands, with films that have had opening weekends of $150 million or more. We see Harry Potter's had one film that opened over $150 million, Jurassic World one as well. The Hunger Games has had two, Disney Pixar three, DC slash the DCU three, Star Wars four, and then Marvel slash the Marvel Cinematic Universe, tripling the number of the second place franchise with 12 films with 150 plus million dollar opening weekends. So no matter who shows up to these Marvel films, they are still generating revenue. Unlike like any other franchise. Of course, there are more of them. We're starting to see one or two here and there that maybe don't draw quite enough people, but they do still drive a lot of box office and Black Panther Wakanda Forever was no different. Let's look at six through 10 at the weekend box office. Pray for the Devil is in sixth place with a 50.3% drop in its third week and a total just over $1.9 million. The Banshees of Inisharan remains at number seven with $1.6 million total dropping 19.8% from last weekend. One Piece Film Red continues a trend we've seen with a lot of anime films that absolutely plummet in their second weekend's 84.5% drop off for One Piece Film Red in week two for a $1.4 million total. At number nine is Till with a 67.2% drop in week five. This is actually pretty rare for a movie that has an A plus cinema score to see drops like this week over week. I think probably Till lost a lot of theaters to Black Panther Wakanda Forever and it just didn't quite get that mainstream penetration. Although, with awards season coming up, I think that Danielle Detweiler is going to be in the conversation. So you could see till make a comeback at the box office for this past weekend however just a six hundred and seven thousand dollar total and then at number ten returning to the top ten in a weekend where most of the money was taken up by the next Marvel film is Tar with a $383,000 total. So Tar was in the top 10, dropped out of the top 10, and now back probably just for one week. Speaking of dropping out of the top 10, two films that were targeted toward the Halloween season. Halloween End drops out of the top 10 after four weeks, but Terrifier 2 actually outlasting Michael Myers and Laurie Strode in the top 10. It was there for five weeks. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people would have had down uh, just a couple months ago that the no-name, obscure, low-budget, limited-release Terrifier 2 would spend more time in the domestic top 10 than Halloween ends. Before we move on, I'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the show, Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can dive deep into your own area of interest with some of the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Obviously, I'm a movie fan, and you probably are too. In the entertainment field alone, you can spend hours with Martin Scorsese learning about filmmaking, or with Spike Lee learning about how to be an indie filmmaker, or with David Lynch learning about how to be David Lynch and there are over 180 instructors teaching classes in 11 categories. I sat down yesterday and watched these specific lessons on editing from Martin Scorsese and Spike Lee's classes, and it was as interesting and insightful as any course that I took in college. And each class is segmented into clearly labeled lessons that I can consume when I can across multiple platforms. This isn't theory, this is the real experience of some of the best minds alive in their field, and I'm already looking forward to checking out Bill nye's class on science and problem solving and that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface i highly recommend that you check it out this holiday give one annual membership and get one free go to masterclass.com slash merle today that's masterclass.com slash merle m-u-r-r-e-l-l and terms do apply Looking at the chart for what I call the road to recovery, you see that we did indeed pass not only where we were last year at this time, but also the average box office for the five years preceding the pandemic from 2015 to 2019. This was actually the first time we beat the 2015 to 2019 average since week 27 back in early July when, surprise, the last MCU film Thor 11 Thunder debuted, along with a strong second weekend performance of Minions The Rise of Gru. So savor that site. It's one that we haven't seen too much in 2022. We are right now with a box office over $200 million for I think only the fourth time uh, this year. So a nice step forward. We'll see if we can continue that momentum going into the holiday season, maybe get a couple more weeks up above that line. I'm not quite sure if we have the inventory that's going to produce those kinds of box office numbers, but you never know. So it's something to keep an eye on. One thing that a lot of folks have been asking about is the box office market share chart, which I was doing throughout the summer. I retired it for a few weeks because there wasn't a whole lot of box office, so it wasn't really changing things that much. But I did want to give you an update now that Wakanda Forever has come out. This was the box office market share that you saw a couple of months ago. I think that was the last time that I did it with Disney Fox at 19%, Universal at 25%, Paramount at 22%. Warner Brothers at 13%, Sony at 14%, and then all other studios at 7%. This is the updated chart with about a billion more dollars into the domestic box office total, but things really haven't changed that much. Disney Fox has picked up one percentage point. It now has 20% of the total yearly box office. Universal has lost one percentage point. It now has a 24% market share. Paramount has lost a couple of percentage points as the other studios catch up to the huge totals that Top Gun Maverick brought in. Paramount now has a 20% market share. Warner Brothers has picked up 2%, 15% market share for the year. Sony is at 13%, and then all other studios are at 8%. I'm going to keep track of these numbers. If there are substantial changes over the course of the year, then of course I'll report on them. But with a gross into the billions, it takes a lot of money to move the needle one way or the other. So this is going to be pretty close to where we end 2022, but it is something that I am going to be keeping an eye on. Let's take a look now at the per theater averages for this past weekend it was actually a really close race between Black Panther Wakanda Forever which was in super super wide release and Steven Spielberg's newest film The Fablements which was only playing in four theaters Wakanda Forever ended up taking that competition it brought in $41,251 per theater in each of of its 4,396 theaters. So a lot of very happy theater managers and owners this past weekend. Spielberg's The Fablemans in four theaters brought in just over $40,000. So $40,395. So really, if you were one of those four theaters that was playing The Fablemans and you happen to have Black Panther Wakanda Forever, then you were doing some pretty good business this weekend. RRR continues its roadshow in one theater this weekend. It made $10,478. So it is continuing to pass. Houses At number four, playing in just one theater, I believe in New York is a film called A Couple, which is a one woman film about Sophia Tolstoy, who was the wife of writer Leo Tolstoy. And then at number five, again, playing in just one theater in New York City is a revival screening of The Runner, which is a film from Iran from 1984, considered to be a keystone piece of Iranian filmmaking. Again, if you're playing in just those one theaters, One Night can get you on this chart a $2,628 average for the runner. Looking at the top five per theater averages for 2022, we actually had two new entrants onto the chart from this past weekend. Everything Everywhere All at Once's first weekend, which was in just 10 theaters, remains the top per theater average of the year, $50,905 per theater, followed by The Banshees of Inesharon, which did $46,000 per theater in its opening weekend in four theaters. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and Black Panther Wakanda Forever had nearly identical per theater averages. Doctor Doctor Strange had $41,337 per theater. Black Panther Wakanda Forever had $41,251 per theater, even though Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness opened in about 150 more theaters. And then at number five, The Fablemans, with its $40,000 per theater average, is good enough for number five this year. And this is the end of the year. It's award season. It's when we see a lot of movies sneaking into this per theater list because you get a lot more of the artistic, quote-unquote, awards films that make their debuts in just a handful of theaters. Looking at the top five films in limited release, so these movies in 1,000 theaters or fewer, The Banshees of Inisherin* once again leads the list in 960 theaters just under that threshold for wide release, a $1.6 million total. Triangle of Sadness remains on the list for a sixth week, $253,000 total from 184 theaters. Park Chan-wook's decision to leave is at number three with just over $200,000. Then we have The Fablemans in its four theaters with $161,000 and eight H24 is after Sun in 92 theaters with $139,000 total. There's also a new entrant into the 2022 Top Grocers in limited release, and it is the Banshees of Inisharan at number 6. The top 5 remains the same, Brahmastra Part One, Shiva, BTS Permission to Dance, KGF Chapter 2, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, and then the portion of Terrifier 2's release when it was playing in limited release. Lal Singh Chida drops out of the top 10 this week, and underneath the Banshees of Inisharan are Orphan First Kill, Pony and Selvin Part 1, Moon Age Daydream, and Cyrano. We also have a new movie on the 2022 domestic fall holiday box office. So these are the top movies post Labor Day, and Black Panther: Wakanda Forever jumps to the top of this list in its very first week. It is now the highest-grossing film domestically at the fall holiday box office. Not a big surprise with its 181.3 million dollar total. Black Adam is at number two. It has now crossed 150.3 million dollars. Smile has crossed the 100 million dollar mark. 102.7 million. The Woman King drops one spot to number four Halloween ends drops one spot to number five ticket to paradise drops one spot to number six don't worry darling drops one spot to number seven Lyle Lyle crocodile by virtue of its stronghold actually stays in the number eight spot which drops barbarian down two spots to number nine the re-release of avatar one spot to number 10 and then Amsterdam dropping out of the domestic fall holiday box office top 10 let's take our focus now away from the domestic box office and look outside of the United States and Canada to the top five films internationally and black panther wakanda forever also the top grossing film internationally with a 150 million dollar total black adam is at number two with 9.7 million dollars the chinese crime film the tipping point opened this past weekend at $8.6 million. Lyle Lyle Crocodile is at $3.5 million internationally. And then Homecoming, also a Chinese film, remains in the top five with a $2.4 million total. When you combine the international numbers with the domestic numbers, we get our worldwide box office for this weekend. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever is number one with a $331.3 million worldwide opening. Black Adam at number two with $17.7 million. Then The Tipping Point at number three. Ticket to Paradise at number four, and Lyle Lyle Crocodile at number five. And looking at the highest grossing weekends worldwide of 2022, the top weekend still goes to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which opened to over $450 million back in May, $452.2 million. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is at number two with $331.3 million. Jurassic World Dominion now bumped to number three with $321.6 million. Thor Love and Thunder at number four with $303.1 million. And then the Batman at number five with $254 million. And I saw there was some discussion around several corners of the internet, as there is, it seems like, around every Marvel film now, about Black Panther Wakanda Forever being a disappointment at the box office, because it only made $331.3 million, and it made less than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is true. It did not perform to the same level as Doctor Strange, but it also, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, attracted a different audience, and I know that the demographics racially are not the same in every country around the world, but I do think the fact that excuse to an older audience is something that would very likely be universal, and we've seen on the show time after time that older audiences don't necessarily rush out to the theater on the first weekend. I think that Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I mean, we'll see if this bears out, is going to drop off less steeply than we saw with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder. I'm not going to say it's going to end up at $950 million like Multiverse of Madness, which is a total that people still, by the way, say was disappointing. The fact that it didn't crack a billion dollars despite not coming out in China. It doesn't look like Black Panther Wakanda Forever is going to be coming out in China, so I'm sure it won't break a billion dollars and people will call it a disappointment for that reason as well. But it just goes back to my whole thing about people wanting to take a little snapshot of a movie, the first weekend box office, this worldwide number itself, and writing off the whole movie as if that's the end of the story it's a disappointment it's a failure it fell so far behind dr strange in the multiverse of madness when we don't yet know just how much this movie is going to make there are people that make videos that get way more views than this by saying this is a failure this sucked oh my god marvel made a huge mistake when it's really not based on a whole lot factually, or at the very least, it's based on one weekend's numbers without allowing the story to play out. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons that this isn't as viewed as a lot of other box office shows, because I'm not going to make broad proclamations about a movie. I got some flack by what I said about Black Adam, because people said like, well, you're saying it's a hit after the first weekend. No, I said that the opening weekend, I think was good considering the reviews. The jury is still out on the movie as far as the final domestic total and worldwide total. I don't quite know if it's going to get to that threshold of profitability because we're still in the release cycle. We still don't know where it's going to end up. At this point, I'm preaching to the choir. If you're watching this show, then hopefully you have developed this kind of appreciation for the fact that all numbers have context. But this is just the way that things go. Generally, the thing that's going to get the most attention when you're covering box office news, and let's be honest, news in general is to make wild proclamations based on Some evidence, sometimes no evidence, I still see conspiracy theories that, you know, there are whole theaters being bought out and that people aren't really going to see these movies, but they traffic well because the people that love those theories watch and the people that hate those theories watch. I'm just going to be in here in the middle. I'm going to read the numbers and interpret them as best I can, and I'm going to give you my take on them. And my take on Black Panther Wakanda Forever is that $330 million worldwide in its opening weekend isn't half bad. Actually, that's a pretty damn good opening, and we will see how it does. If it falls off a cliff 70% next weekend, then we'll have a lot to talk about. If it holds 40% next weekend or better, then we'll also have a lot to talk about. Things aren't written in one weekend. They're sometimes not even written in two weekends, uh, but, I, you know, I don't see how you can spend a $300-plus hundred plus million opening as a failure, but some people, they would have called it a failure anyway. It would have opened to $700 million and it would have been a failure because there are some people, not everybody who criticizes the movie, there are some people who just for whatever reason, whatever reason, don't like this movie or don't like Marvel movies or don't like Disney movies, and they're going to spin whatever they want to around that narrative. It's just how it is. Let's look at the top 10 domestically for 2022. There are a couple of changes. Top Gun Maverick remains number one. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness remains at number two. Jurassic World Dominion stays at number three. Universal was able to keep Minions, The Rise of Gru in theaters long enough to pass the Batman to become the number four movie of the year by about $3,000. And my guess is that the domestic gross is probably gonna freeze right around there. Sometimes if a movie's within like $100,000 of overtaking another movie, they can figure out how to keep it in theaters long enough to just get over that threshold. So Minions the Rise of Gru goes up one spot. The Batman drops down one spot to number five. Thor Eleven Thunder stays at number six. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 stays at number seven. Black Panther Wakanda Forever enters the chart at number eight. It will be far past Sonic the Hedgehog 2 by this time next week. And then we'll see how long it takes to hit that $343.2 million mark of Thor Love and Thunder and then how far into the top five this will advance or it falls off a cliff and doesn't get there. We'll see. Elvis drops down one spot to number nine, Black Adam stays at number 10, and dropping off the chart is Uncharted, which is now actually, for the first time since it came out, literally Uncharted. The 2022 Worldwide box office doesn't have any changes yet, although I suspect that Black Panther Wakanda Forever will make this list by the time next week rolls around. And if Black Adam does uh, about $50 million, I don't know if it's going to do that, but it could also be on this chart soon. Your top 10, though, Top Gun, Maverick, Jurassic World, Dominion, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Minions, The Rise of Gru, The Batman, Thor Love and Thunder, The Battle at Lake Chongjin 2, Moon Man, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. This has been the top 10 for quite some time. This is going to be shaken up pretty soon, so you're going to say bye-bye to some of these movies from the list. We'll move on in just a moment, but I'd like to thank another sponsor for today's show, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. You've been hearing a lot about AG1 on the show for quite some time. I started taking it because I'm looking to support better gut health and an overall better me. But what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Taking AG1 is super simple. I can either put a scoop right into a cup of water or mix it into a shake at home. Either way, it's a quick and tasty way for me to start the day off right and make sure I'm supporting not only my gut health, but my immune system, my recovery and focus, and so much more. AG1 is lifestyle-friendly and contains less than one gram of sugar... ...with no GMOs or artificial anything. And Athletic Greens also cares about the world. They're a climate-neutral certified company, and for every purchase... Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry right here in the United States. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that is athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Before we get to the streaming charts, this is the part of the show where I like to take a look at A Weekend from Box Office Pass, but it's also the part of the show where I like to take a moment and remember someone who has passed away recently uh, and recognize their impact in movies, TV, entertainment. Everybody that I talk about, I respect their work enormously, and they have had some impact on my life, either through my memory or, or just being a fan of their work. But sometimes I talk about somebody on here and it really hurts. And this is one that really hurts for me just on a personal level. Partly because this was just completely out of the blue. But it broke this weekend that Kevin Conroy, who for three decades now basically, was primarily known as the voice of Batman. Beginning on Fox's Batman the Animated Series. Continuing through the animated film Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And then through so many different animated films, uh, video games... Kevin Conroy and Batman Animation were married together. Kevin Conroy was, in my mind, Batman. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am. Batman. one of my proudest moments back when i was doing movie fights on screen junkies i think it was an early movie fight and we had a fight over who was the best batman and sometimes when you're on that show because it's a game a lot of people thought we took everything seriously i took the game seriously but the picks what you're fighting for they're not always your first choice Or sometimes it's a silly question but when i got the question i picked kevin conroy as the best movie Batman and people even said like, are you sure you're going to vote for, it? I mean, if you want to give if you want to give the round away, I'm like, no, because I believed then I believe now. And I believe for a very long time that Kevin Conroy to me was the best Batman. And largely because I felt like he was the only actor animated or live action who really nailed the duality of Batman and Bruce Wayne. The the difference in inflection, the fact that you could tell he was putting on a voice to be Bruce Wayne, and that he would drop into that darker, huskier tone whenever he wasn't around anybody, even when he didn't have the cowl on, and that just showed you that the playboy, hey everybody, that was the mask, and Batman was the man. That's who Bruce Wayne was. Vocal performance is such an underrated art, and Kevin Conroy did so much with his voice to tell you about this character, and the acting is Well, it's not just reading lines from a script. It is acting, just like any other actor has to do. And he gave Batman so much emotion. Uh, He could be funny, he could be sad, he could be scary, he could be grim. He ran the gamut across so many different emotions. And that was Kevin Conroy. Batman, and I've said it many times before, was and is my favorite comic book hero. And I always said that Kevin Conroy wasn't my first Batman. That was Michael Keaton. But he was my favorite Batman. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another actor who put as much of a stamp on that role as Kevin Conroy. So I will sorely miss hearing that voice behind my favorite personal comic book character. And there are a lot of people I think that haven't lived in a world where Kevin Conroy isn't the voice of Batman in some way or form. Now, there have been other actors who have done it in other projects, etc., but it seemed like they always came back to Kevin Conroy, and there was a reason. So for an actor whose voice has been part of my life for the majority of my life, I just wanted to take a moment to pay tribute to Kevin Conroy, to thank him posthumously for decades of great work and memorable moments as Batman, and to remember his time. As the Cape Crusader, and of course, as always, my condolences to his friends, family, and fans. Let's look now at our box office flashback weekend, and we're going back nearly three decades to November 11th through the 13th, 1994, the 45th weekend of the year. And the reason that I picked this is because the top two movies still relevant because they both have television series that are either currently airing or starting uh, this week. The number one film was Interview with the Vampire, starring Tom Cruise. I think a lot of people went to see him fail and ended up being very surprised by his turn as Lestat. And Rice fans not happy with that casting, but it was the number one movie in its opening weekend, $36.3 million. At a strong number two was Tim Allen in The Santa Claus, one of my favorite Christmas movies when I was growing up, with $19.3 million. Stargate in its third week was at number three with $8.1 million. Pulp Fiction was catching on. In its fifth week, it was at number four at the box office with a $4.1 million total. And then at number five, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. With a steep drop from its first week, a 66.8% drop with a $3.7 million total. If you don't know Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, it was directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh as Frankenstein, and Robert De Niro as Frankenstein's Monsters, so one of the truly weird movies to come out of the 90s. As I've been doing, though, here on the show, I like to hit the inflation button to see what this weekend would have looked like if you translate it into today's dollars. So when we hit that button, Interview with the Vampire, an impressive $73.1 million Opening the Santa Claus at thirty-eight point eight million dollars, Stargate at sixteen point three million, pulp fiction at eight point two million, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein at seven point four million. Well let's move away from what's playing in theaters and see what people are watching at home and we'll start as always with the iTunes charts to see what people are purchasing and renting from the iTunes store. At number one is Ticket to Paradise which is doing well in theaters but now also available for purchase and premium video on demand. Those are those high cost rentals $14.99 $19.99. It takes the number one spot on the iTunes charts. Top Gun Maverick moves down to number two temporarily although it'll probably be back on top next week or the week after. Bullet Trains at number three. Nope is at number four. Paradise City is at number 5, starring John Travolta and Bruce Willis, who sadly will be retiring very soon, but still releasing those movies for people to watch at home. Amsterdam enters the premium video on demand market. It's at number 6. Terrifier 2 also dropping out of the top 10, but good enough for number 7 on this list, available for purchase and premium video on demand. A lower PVOD price on Terrifier 2. I think it was a $10 rental. You know the Christmas season is officially started when Illuminations The Grinch enters the iTunes top 10 and is a perennial favorite for iTunes users it's there at number eight. Medieval is at number nine, available for purchase and rental. And then at number 10, Fall, which stays on the chart from last week. Let's look now at the most watched programs on Netflix and I use a custom number here called my Global Merle Metric. I basically generate something I call a PFV number or potential finished views. I take the length of a program, I divide it by the number of hours watched and that gives me the number of Netflix users that could potentially have finished viewing that movie or series based on the data that's reported by Netflix. It's just a way to kind of put things into context. At number one is the Netflix original movie Enola Holmes. 64 million hours watched for a PFV of 29.8 meaning 29.8 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing Enola Holmes 2 The Good Nurse stays on the chart at number 2 36.7 million hours watch for a PFV of 17.9 at number 3 is the Netflix movie The Takeover which is a thriller out of the Netherlands 25.8 million hours watch for a PFV of 17.8 so right behind The Good Nurse at number 4 the German remake or adaptation or whatever you want to call it of All Quiet on the Western Front a PFV of 16.2 at number 5 the Netflix series, at least here, uh, stateside, Inside Man Season 1. This show actually originally aired on the BBC. It was written by Stephen Moffat. He reteamed with Doctor Who actor David Tennant. It was directed by Paul McGuigan, who did several Sherlock episodes. So, sort of a British TV all star cast there. Good enough for fifth place on this chart with a PFV of 15.3. That's pretty strong for a series on this chart. At number six, the Jet Li-Jason Statham 2007 movie War, because why not, with a PFE of 9.8. At number seven is a Brazilian drama called Beyond the Universe, with a PFE of 9.7. The Bad Guys is at number eight, with a PFE of 9.5. Wild as the Wind enters the chart at number nine. Wild is the Wind is a drama out of South Africa. And then staying on the top ten chart from last week is The School for Good and Evil, with a PFV of 7.6. Let's take a look now at the Nielsen streaming charts, which are relatively new, at least in relation to this show. This is not a perfect metric. This is based in the United States only. This does not measure all devices, and these numbers are delayed by about a month. So these are not raw numbers, but they give us a a fairly good idea of what people are watching, or at least a signpost to what people are watching. And we actually have a new streaming service that's on the charts, just in time to see how one of their biggest streaming premieres did, and that's Peacock, now providing data for the Nielsen streaming charts. This is the week of October 10th through October 16th and we see that the most watched streaming movie of that week was Halloween Ends, which had 11.9 million hours watched. Luckiest Girl Alive, though, is right behind at number 2 with 11.6 million hours watched. The Curse of Bridge Hollow on Netflix is at number 3 with just over 9 million hours watched. Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney Plus staying in the top 5, followed by Mr. Harrigan's Phone on Netflix. Blackout on Netflix is at number 6 with 4.4 million hours watched, followed by Last Last Seen Alive, Megamind, which is streaming on both Netflix and Peacock because rights are a very complicated thing, 4.1 million hours watched, followed by Hocus Pocus, the original film on Disney+, and Sing 2, another movie that we see on this chart quite a bit on Netflix with 3.7 million hours watched. When we look at the 10 most watched streaming shows, at number one is the Netflix premiere of The Watcher, which easily took the number one spot. 39.2 million hours watched that takes Lord of the Rings the Rings of Power down to number two on Amazon Prime Video with 18.9 million hours watched Dahmer Monster on Netflix is right behind though at 18.4 million hours watched HBO Max's House of the Dragon is at number four remember these are delayed by about a month so both Rings of Power and House of the Dragon were still releasing new episodes 16 million hours streamed according to Nielsen although as always I have to caveat these do not include broadcast numbers so anybody who watched House of the dragon on cable those will not be reflected in these numbers the blacklist on netflix is at number five the midnight club on netflix debuts at number six with 14.4 million hours watched coco melon always on this list for a total of 12 million hours watched followed by ncis and gilmore girls and then returning to the chart it leaves it comes back it leaves it comes back is gray's anatomy on netflix with 9.4 million hours watched however i also do a number that i call hours watched per episode so i look at the total number of hours watched but i divide it by the number of available episodes and again this kind of just gives us a clue about how many people are watching each specific episode or at least what the raw data is for each one of these number one on hours watched per episode is still the watcher 5.6 million hours watched per episode for its full slate of seven episodes again easily number one so no matter how you cut it the watcher the most stream show for this week of October 10th to the 16th. Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, its 8 available episodes had a 2.37 million hours watched per episode, followed by Confessions of a Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes on Netflix, 3 episodes for a 2.02 million watch time per episode. It actually topped the watch time per episode for Dahmer. With its 10 episodes, Dahmer averaged 1.85 million hours watched per episode. Right behind that, though, is House of the Dragon. This was the week its ninth episode was released with a 1.78 million hour Hours watch per episode time. The Midnight Club is at number six. It's 10 full episodes, averaged 1.45 million hours watch per episode. Then we have Andor. It was six episodes in uh, when this was charted for an hours watch per episode of 1.13 million, which was good enough to top another show that wrapped up the week that this data was measured She Hulk Attorney at Law, now with a full slate of nine episodes. For an hour's watch per episode, just under a million, 974,000 hours watched per episode, followed by Coco Melon with 669,000 hours watched per episode, and then a big drop to the center at 249,000 hours watched. Per episode, And that pretty much wraps us up here on the show this week. There are several things for you to get into, uh, both on streaming and in theaters this upcoming weekend. A couple of movies that are hitting wide release. One of them, actually both of them I'm interested in, one of them is The Menu, which looks like a really interesting chef horror movie? I don't really know. Ray Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, a great cast. That hits wide release this weekend. Also, She Said, which is about the journalistic team that was behind the exposés that brought down Harvey Weinstein. It's a big awards movie. It's entering wide release this weekend. The Santa Clauses is a new series from Disney Plus that premieres this week on Wednesday. I mentioned that the big moneymakers from 1994 were still relevant. Tim Allen's still playing Santa Claus. A few movies that are hitting limited release that you might want to pay attention to. Luca Guadagnino's Bone and all starring timothy chalamet and taylor russell is hitting limited release i have seen that movie i think i'm probably going to do a standalone review here on the channel because i quite enjoyed it bad axe which is a documentary that's getting a lot of award season buzz is hitting limited release and then another movie from a24 that's gotten a lot of great buzz the inspection Also hitting limited release. Then a big movie hitting Disney Plus, Disenchanted, is hitting the streaming service this week. And then over on Apple TV Plus, after a limited run in theaters, is the Will Ferrell Ryan Reynolds holiday comedy, Spirited. So a lot of different things from different genres for you to check out this week. I'll be back throughout the week. I have a review of Glass Onion, which is the second in the Knives Out series of films that'll be coming out this week. I'm probably gonna check out Disenchanted. As I mentioned, I wanna talk about Bones and all. There's some Marvel stuff that I wanna do. I kinda wanna take a look at phase four now that it's all wrapped up. So everything's kind of lined up like airplanes waiting to take off here on the channel, but it's all stuff that I'm excited to do. So stay tuned right here. You're probably gonna see it this week and going into next week with the Thanksgiving, holiday i'm going to thank my partner on the show carbon health as always i also want to thank my sponsors athletic greens the makers of ag1 and masterclass you can find all the information that i gave in those spots down in the description below but most of all i appreciate you taking your time to listen to me spout numbers at you i'll be back very soon with more movie news reviews and more until then stay safe and i'll see you then bye